0: You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am.
1: Hey guys, Trent Foleskens here, your host of The Perth Property Show. Today's topic is a really interesting one. It's one that is extremely unique, something that uh, is very unique to this podcast as well in that uh, we have a special guest in the room. It is Rick Hockey. Headland First National's number one agent, Headland's number one agent for a long time, and with 10 years having experienced Australia's biggest boom and bust in property history, in my understanding, we are sitting down with him in a one-on-one situation to understand his story, which probably reflects a lot of people's story up there that most people wouldn't understand on a first-hand basis. Rick, thanks for coming in and sharing uh, what I expect is going to be a very interesting
2: chat. Thanks, Trent. Yes, it has been an interesting journey, very
1: interesting. Tell us where it started with you. You weren't always a real estate agent, were you?
2: No, I got up into Port Hedland in 1980 and I went straight into BHP and I worked there for 28 years. Quite funny how I got into real estate is I used to have a cleaning business as well and um, I used to go into Hedland First National. I was buying property as investment property through them but I also had the cleaning contract there. And the principal there, Morag Lowe, said one time, you spend that much time in here, Rick, you should actually be working
1: here. You're a client. <laughs> yeah. So, You're a client and a contractor.
2: Yes, yes, I was. So anyway, a couple of weeks later, Morag grabbed me again and said, you know, have you thought about it? And uh, anyway, uh, as the talk went on, I made a decision. I love property, so I thought I should. this is what I should be doing. So the day that I resigned and drove out of BHP, I already had my office set up. In Hedland First National, and uh, I went straight down there and, and commenced work, and, and still loving it to this day.
1: Two thousand and nine, two thousand and eight, was that the that was the the year?
2: Um, yes, it would have been somewhere around there, and uh, that was you know when the town was start really starting to find legs, find strength, and
1: um, people were it- taking notice internationally, weren't they?
2: Oh, absolutely! You know, we were we were just entering into that boom stage, um, which might have been fantastic, but it wasn't fantastic all the way.
1: Good. Anyone have sold a property when you started? in that time in that boom was it was it ridiculous to the point where data wasn't a factor it was simply fear of missing out
2: yeah look uh, what really drove it was the um, rental prices that we're getting everything that we sold it was based around what's the yield some of the investors and they would be from all over australia and in international with some of my clients they you would send email off the information it would say what the lease details were and it would be anywhere could be anywhere between a an 8 and a 15% return bang I'll buy that um, so our our rents were very high um, people uh,
1: treating residential property like commercial property
2: yes yes well you know we, we had rents as high as 5000 we had three properties out at pretty poor getting $5000 per week believe that or not
1: and what sort of property was that
2: um, five by twos, five by threes, there was um, there was three of them out there. The four by twos would average, and I had a couple myself, uh, $3,000 per week. You couldn't
1: rent a house in Peppermint Grove for that <laughs> in Perth.
2: And the, the houses at Peppermint Grove would be uh, a far reach from the properties oh, yes. in Port headland too.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay, so things are obviously going well. We all remember how, how well it went. Can you start explaining what happened... You woke up that day and suddenly someone yep. didn't want to buy that property that you expected to sell for a hundred thousand dollars more than yesterday. Yeah, look, it was um,
2: selling property, and that you know it was quite easy. There was lots of investors out there to, to buy. The sellers were happy because they were getting big dollars selling the property for a million dollars, and it's probably only cost about four or five hundred thousand to build. So, so it was good times, and we all thought it would never end. Um, but of course, uh, nothing goes forever. Um, I, I, I guess when the construction slowed down, the iron ore prices plummeted. All of a sudden, the lease amounts came down. Instead of getting a thousand or two thousand or three thousand a week, cut that in half, cut it in half again, and take some more off it type of thing. So, and what sort pe- of
1: time period was that where it just plummeted?
2: It started in, at the end, at the high end of 2012, and continued on for about six years, um, and continued to fall at quite a rate of knots. And we were just thinking it's got to stop soon, but no, it didn't. And of course, when all the construction people went out, um, all all the big miners they uh, shut their purses. They weren't spending. They cut their costs, so people left. Um, So there was a lot of cost cutting happening within the town and now local agents, contractors too. There was a lot who went bust and moved out. So, you know, we went from a a population at the height of it, which was around 20,000 people. Um, We currently sit around 13,000, 13,500 people.
1: That's a big difference. Were the people who sold in 2012, were they smart or lucky?
2: I think there might have been uh, some smart people out there, and I think there's a lot of lucky people out there. You know, I was one that wasn't smart and wasn't lucky. I had a lot of property myself, and I got burnt um, out of that as well. Had I been smarter, uh, you know, I would have got some of those big prices. But we all live and learn, and that was that was a big learning curve for me. But for a lot of people. You know it's life changing absolutely completely and a pivotal time came one time when I was in somebody's house and it was a a mum and dad and as I went to appraise their house they bought the property for 800,000 and I appraised it and stood in that lounge room and told them now we have to put it on between 250 and 280 they both broke down crying in front of me and I was standing there and I, I wasn't all that flash, I wasn't um, flying either with all my property coming down and it was getting harder to sell property and that. Um, every day there was phone calls, uh, people you know, um, really feeling the stress and um, pressure from the banks and a lot of things. So it was a very, very hard period and even now today there's still, there's still people that are struggling with it and probably will for another two years. Did you feel like the Grim Reaper for a while? Look, it was, it was very hard to do it, but um, at the end of the day, after talking, you know, to several other people that are in the industry and that, you know, you've got a job to do. You don't determine whether the market goes up and down. There's other factors out there that nobody has any control over. So, yes, you did certainly, but. Being pulled back into line and saying, you know, put your head back down and, and start doing what you're supposed to do. There's still people out there who need help. They're in trouble and they got to get out, out of trouble. So, yes, it, it, it certainly affects you, but you get over it and you, you work through it and, and get on with
1: it. I guess the people that I am most concerned about coming out of the last six years are those who not only bought in Headland, but leveraged up in Headland and Carrather and, and Newman as well. Have you seen personally firsthand how that's affected those people and uh, do we have you know a salvage story here or is it really a resetting of people's lifestyles and expectations until they retire or throughout their retirement?
2: Yeah, look, there was people who bought, you know, smart maybe 20 years ago, and they they had bought property around the two two hundred or the three hundred thousand. All of a sudden, they saw that property go to eight hundred thousand, so they've got equity within that property of $500,000, five hundred thousand, four five hundred thousand. So they go out and they'll, they'll buy that new car or a boat or a, another another property, um, and then hope to get the rise again and then borrow against that equity and go. So you know, it it does have that. Um, carry on effect when everything came back you know you're to the hilt in debt the properties aren't worth anywhere near what they were and it's very hard to dig yourself out of that situation
1: these days rick obviously we've we've spent six seven years in perth watching the turmoil and the fallout and uh you hear secondhand stories i guess as to how it was or what's happened and those people who did get in those people who feel lucky that they never did where are we sitting now? What's the vibe like? How, how, did, how has the vibe in Headland changed since 2010 throughout that time and to now? Is it a rebirthing just as a general cultural feel or are we still in a state of, of cultural depression?
2: Look, uh, uh, there's definitely still people out there who, you know, in in pain, but definitely Port Hedland, South Hedland has found a level now. We've stopped the slide and and we have found that level, which is great. We've found a little bit of strength, particularly in the rental market where we've had that probably about an average of $50 per week increase over the last six months. The sales, um, there's still sales out there. If you want to sell your property, it will sell. We just have to get the price right for where the market is. So it's not as if properties aren't selling. Yes, they are, and they're, they're selling, as I say, as long as we get Realistic pricings on them, so where it's much more optimistic up there. All of the businesses now are, are not worried about you know uh, losing ground. They're putting uh, an extra bloke or two on, and we're starting to see that the town is now again starting to blossom. There's talk of the oil and the gas. There's the lithium that's come in. There's the um, the cattle iron ore, the miners are now starting to open up their purses. Will there be another boom? There will definitely not be another boom because, as I say, the infrastructure of the town with mining camps and everything like that, and the miners make it quite clear that if there's any big construction works or even smaller construction works, they'll all be a fly-in, fly-out workforce. Um, So, you know, I see good, steady growth that's going to happen. There won't be any massive changes or jumps in the market like we've seen with the boom and bust.
1: And I guess that comes down to real life, fundamental reasons that you've you've just spoken about. Uh, I think it's very easy, as you said, for people to jump on the pyramid or or the cycle and jump off and try and look at it like it's a stock market. You know, looking at the stats and picking uh, trends. The reality is the reason Headland and Karratha and Newman went up is because, and then down, it was a very simple equation. It's demand versus supply. There was always a very, very thin amount of supply growth because it's not easy to open up properties and, and land and develop up there. And because of the extremely quick need for people, there was an extremely quick need for housing up there. That's why the property prices went through the roof. The difference this time, as you explained, the fundamentals aren't there, especially on the supply side. The Mining camps, can you explain a bit more how that has changed now in that situation compared to 10 years ago?
2: Yeah, well, look, 10 years ago, we didn't have these mining camps. We've got two very large ones up there and some smaller ones um, when the construction work that started, well, the you know where we're going to put people didn't really come in the equation. You got uh, to the stage where a four-bedroom house didn't just get leased out as a four-bedroom house. It got leased out. Oh, it's got four bedrooms, five hundred dollars per bedroom, or seven hundred and fifty dollars per bedroom. So now that the mining camps are out there and they're going to be around, they won't go anywhere. Any construction work, fly them in, fly them out, and they've been quite clear on on what will happen there. To be honest, for the construction side of it, fair enough. But if people uh, are in with the mining companies, I know there is a swing back to the mining companies. If you're working permanently in Port Hedland, live in Port Hedland.
1: So those mining companies are essentially a buffer zone of supply that if the mining companies need that Uh, increase in population quickly. They've got that supply of properties there to cover that and it won't affect the market in such a crazy and unstable way. However, obviously, there are a number of third-party contractors and that multiplier effect of all the other companies, the subcontractors going up there, housing their own people, that will have an effect on the fundamentals of demand and supply in Headland.
2: Yes, and, and look, at just another one to throw in the equation, which is interesting, is Wadjana. Now, they're lithium, um, but they're putting in their own airstrip and they will have their accommodation on site. So, you know, that's where normally, if they didn't have that airstrip and the accommodation on site, then they would fly into Port Hedland, the normal airport, and then they would be housed at Port Hedland, drive out, which is about an hour and a half and, and back, But this is the way the south flank down in Newman is the same. They put all the accommodation on the actual site itself and it's a way of controlling this boom-bust. The towns will now steadily grow and I think our foundations are better now to have prolonged, steady growth, normalised growth. You know, we were very abnormal in our growth over the the last 30-odd years.
1: Looking forward, obviously, you've you've just touched on that normalization of the cycle given we're better prepared now for any of those boom-bust cycles that we inevitably have in iron ore based on factors globally we can't control. Real estate in Hedland, again, obviously, number one, your numbers are ridiculous, and that is in a town with sales that are minute compared to Perth. How does it look going forward for Rick Hockey and, and First National in Hedland?
2: Look, I think it looks very good. Um, Headland First National, very well run. Moraglo the principal, um, is excellent. You won't get a better principal than, than Morag, I don't think. Very sensible, very fair. I think that the the future for Headland, uh, full stop, is very bright. You know, For the sales and that going going forward, I think that will continue to be strong as well. I just see that as the market continues to strength, there will be turnover. There will be that return of investors will come. And what we're th- sort of thinking is that Sydney and Melbourne being overcooked a little bit, that there'll be people saying, where's the, where's the place where there's the bottom of the market? And they're just starting to fight their way back. Headland's a good place to start. We're starting to see a bit of that happening. Um, so I think when we get an evening out, say, you know, we might be a, a 50-50 owner, owner-occupier investor type place, um, we'll be in a pretty good spot. And then we'll start seeing that there will be more houses and units built um, and go that next phase or the next cycle, if you like.
1: Yeah, and that, that evening out, as we've spoken about before, is when the replacement cost of, the, of building... Is equal to what you could purchase a fairly new second-hand property at, and I guess we're a while away from that still, and and I guess that's what we're looking forward to for the Headland region.
2: Yeah, and this is exactly why it's still a good reason to to buy up in Headland is that you know we're still well and truly well and truly under replacement costs, uh, so we've still got a a way to go, and it just supports uh, I guess my theory and a lot of others is that the recovery recovery is started but it will be slow and it will be a normalized type recovery rather than one massive jump back to the high you know yields and the high returns that we've previously been used to i think the pilbara has changed changed for good now
1: rick hockey what an awesome conversation and insight into what happened up there uh Really looking forward to seeing how that recovery continues and looking forward to having you back in the studio when uh, you've got some uh, really awesome good news stories coming out of the area in the next year or so.
2: Yeah, look, thanks very much, Trent. It's good. We'll have to get you up there, get you into a bit of fishing and show you what Port Hedland's <laughs> all about. Mate. Back to my derby roots. <laughs> <laughs> back to your derby roots. Make sure you've got a hat. It's been blistering hot up there of late, but it's been a pleasure and uh, thank you very much, Trent.
1: Cheers, Rick. Okay, so today's suburb spotlight, we are talking Doubleview. One of my favorite suburbs in Perth, simply because it really does reflect its name. There is that double view. My old man uh, has a house on Princess, right at the top of Doubleview. He's got an aspirational home looking to build on his dream home one day, and he has that double view of the city and the ocean. Who would have thought that would probably be one of the highest places in Perth? Pretty cool area on the way to Scarborough. To help us out with that conversation, we've got, as always, the number one real estate agent for this suburb is Richard Clukas from Abel McGrath. Richard, cheers for coming in.
0: Thank you for having me. Tell
1: me about this suburb. What does it mean to, to you and the people that live there?
0: Historically, dating back to sort of 1916 thereabouts, when it was first coined and there was a purchase of the of the south section of, of Scarborough Beach Road or South V, if you like. And then from there on in around the 1926, it got bought out and subdivided in into lots and then portioned off after the Second World War for war service homes as well, which many of them are still standing today as part of the subdivisions that do take place in the old fibro character homes that exist there. So adding to the multitude of different uh, options that buyers have and homeowners have in the area.
1: That's a much older suburb than I expected. Is it because there's been so much renewal in the area over time, given the zoning and whatnot, that you just don't see so many of these older houses?
0: When you're talking sort of 1940s, 50s homes, there's still a few that are there. I think also progress. You see a lot of the newer homes that have been built on the old full block subdivided lots. Generally speaking, north of Scarborough Beach Road is generally where the war service homes were. And then I guess you could talk about the private purchases or the private owners outside of those government providers that that's the point of differentiation between the two i guess
1: you're right scar beach road does split the suburb up i would generally say that north of scar beach road you have a lot more of de- that development that urban infill that's density. happened over the years yeah 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 yep through the huntress spaces.
0: yeah so anywhere from scar beach road through to newburgh
1: and south of scar beach road more your bigger nicer homes a bit more elevation yeah so lower lower density getting closer to Hale, really aren't you yeah that's right and into yep.
0: the woodlands wembley Downs sort of pocket there too
1: if you had to sell Double View in a couple of sentences to me, how would you do it?
0: The variety of housing options for across all demographics is, is right there. And I get, you, you see a lot of people moving into the area, not not really moving out, only because there are those options there. So for the young couple that's wanting to have their first child, there's that housing option there through to the full blocks, um, million dollar views. And then back, sizing back down again, because you have got woodlands and, and it's, a, it's a great pocket of Perth That is super central to a lot of amenities. You're talking shopping centres, freeway access, access to the city and obviously the coastal strip there with Scarborough and that there too, which has undergone such transformation of late.
1: It's that centre point between one of the best consumer hubs in Perth being Inaloo and that surrounds, but also one of the best entertainment areas being Scarborough and the foreshore development that's happened. It's probably still that one family area where you're not smashed with apartments and, and units. You can have a nice big family home or a unit that's still a sizable three by two and still be in an affordable space with all those luxury amenities next
0: to you. Yeah, exactly. You talk about open space, although, you know, the, the subdivisions of late have been taken over a bit of that open space. But you've still got great local parks, you've got great schools around that area too, and certainly that's the attractant for a lot of families that are looking to, well not just families, but a lot a lot of people that are looking to get into that area and schooling Certain, certainly high on the agenda.
1: So who is your archetypal client right now? Who's buying off you?
0: I'd certainly say with the softer markets, as it may be with a lot of other areas, it's people trading up. So using this softer market to get into a higher price point, all things being equal, it will then accommodate them for the next sort of five to 10 years. And um, hopefully then they've also made a, a smart decision. What they may lose out on their current property, they'll hopefully make up in their in, in the home that they're looking to move into. Is it a so young family? Traders. So young families, a few first home buyers as well, looking to get in as well. But um, it's generally those those younger families that are looking to get up into into the next price point.
1: Tell me about those price points. Yeah. We always talk about from the cheapest thing I can buy in your suburb to the most expensive thing and everything in between. Get as detailed as you want. Yeah. Tell me what you got.
0: So starting right at the, um, at the I guess, the cheapest option, you've got apartments there, one-by-ones, two-by-ones, and they can range anywhere from sort of 250000 to $300,000, for a newer sort of two-by-two, two, and that would generally sit on around about 80, 80 to 90 square meters.
1: So a, nor- a normal apartment really yeah space
0: yeah so normal apartment not much outdoor space but more of a lock and leave type option
1: are these your big six seven story flats or are they your more your boutique two-story options no
0: more boutique there's a few more as well the higher density arterial routes as well like your scarborough beach road there which is also i guess another point to to touch on the whole rezoning scarborough beach road west activity corridor which is taking into account envelopes along Scarborough Beach Road, converting that from current residential to mixed-use um, residential and commercial. This is all an area that's sort of going through transformation, but a lot of these high-density sort of one, two-bedroom apartments are sat along there, and is great opportunity for someone to get in.
1: So they're trying to create more of a village, are they, with cafes, hairdressers, pizzerias to service these apartments?
0: Yeah, so you think of Beaufort Street, yep. and that's pretty much the vision of the city of Stirling. Along well, that'd that be corridor. fantastic if that could happen yeah.
1: because I think for too long, Scarborough Beach Road has really been a thoroughfare where you're getting from somewhere to Scarborough, and there's yeah. not really anywhere to stop in between.
0: Hundred percent, yeah. Pedestrian cycle paths, widening the road, introduction of potentially express bus lanes as well. Again, like Beaufort Street. So then you've got um, direct line of transport from uh, train stations and public transports down to the beach. But um, but yeah, back to the back to the housing options anyway. You know, so you've got the smaller type apartments, anywhere sort of yeah, two, two 300. Potentially up to 400. The triplexes, they're trading around the sort of 500 mark. For a good one? Yeah, sort of high fours up to mid fives for a triplex. You're talking about three by one, three by two there. Half blocks generally rides around the 300 to 325 square meters. With the laneways that Double View has, the City of Stirling's gone through and sealed all of those with lead lighting as well. So um, that's provided a little bit of uh, peace, bit more peace of mind for people buying on these laneways. And generally, they would be sitting at around for three by two. You'd be looking around the sort of 750, 725 to 800 ballpark for something like that, are they well.
1: townhouses or are they single story?
0: They're double story, survey strata, so I'd classify that that as a house. Yeah, but then yeah, you've got townhouses as well, which are more in groups of sort of three or or four, double story, and they would probably be around the slow to mid sevens.
1: How expensive can it get? It gets in the mills, three, doesn't it? Three point two mil. Yeah, there's some there's some beautiful homes That's, in Double View. Yeah.
0: That's the highest sale. And they're price the ones today.
1: benefiting from the view though, aren't they? Hundred percent. Yeah. Full blocks. Are there many options left for people to buy an older house on a on a nicer full block and benefit from those views? Yeah,
0: they, they are. Um benefit from the views south of south of Ewan Street, that's r twenty. So you're needing on average four fifty square meters to subdivide there. So to subdivide that area, it is an option. However, you're needing 900 or at a minimum 850 squares for that. So people around there or homeowners around there are generally keeping the full box, re- retaining that. But, you know, you're looking between then Ewan Street and Scarborough Beach Road, which is R 30. And generally speaking there, you know, there's more full blocks with subdivision potential. And then north of Scarborough Beach Road, they're getting fewer and further between for um for subdivisions. That's generally been done, um, haven't they? It's yeah. become a
1: community of triplexes and townhouses.
0: Yeah, there. because because they are the war service homes that are, that were there. So you know the the asbestos fibro type homes. So take that and then build um to new homes on there two new dwellings.
1: Well, I think we're talking development already, and we've we've touched on it in many different ways in the last ten.